Merkel Media. I guess it's time to go back in time. Are you telling me you built a time machine? Out of a DeLorean? Time is but a stubborn illusion. I have a lot of memories of the past. People are time traveling within themselves. Time travel is possible. Okay, I'll reload it! They're staying in the shadows. It's called probing. Make sure things are all clear. Clear for what? For the rest of the world. You guys hear that? Welcome to the show, everybody. I am your host, Tony Merkel, and I'm really glad that you're here, and I'm really glad to be here. I got a great show planned for you tonight. I got Don coming on, who was a federal officer, and he comes on to kind of just share a lot of his life experiences with paranormal-type activity. Before we get into that, though, I want to let you guys know that next week's show, episode 31, is going to be a big show, and I want everybody to make sure they tune in, because I'm interviewing a guy who claims to have killed a Bigfoot. In South Ohio, where he lives, he comes on to share his story of when he killed a Bigfoot. So make sure you tune in for that. The show is titled I Killed Bigfoot. There's a promo video for it on the Facebook page. So go ahead and check that out at The Confessionals on Facebook. But make sure you tune in next week because next week's show is going to be a very intriguing show. I want to remind you guys that if you've had an encounter of any kind, it does not matter to me what it is. It could be government conspiracy. But if you've had an encounter and you'd like to share with me on the show, go ahead and email me at theconfessionalspodcast at gmail.com. That's confessionalspodcast at gmail.com. Or you can go to the website, theconfessionalspodcast.com, hit the connection section, and you can reach me that way as well. Either way works for me. Just get a hold of me. And without any further delay, let's get to tonight's show with Don. Okay, today I have a great guest coming on, Don. And Don contacts me and lets me know that he's a former federal officer with a secret security clearance. And he comes on today to share a lot of experiences that he's had throughout his entire life, stemming from his childhood up to more current times. Uh, Don, how are you today? I'm doing well, Tony. How about yourself? I'm doing fantastic, man. Uh, thanks for reaching out to me. Uh, I know when you first reached out to me, you told me your profession. And my fr- I told you this in the pre-interview. I, my first reaction was, uh, I'm not sure if I'm going to answer this right away. <laughs> I mean, you know, to have a, you know, a federal officer contacting me, I was a little, uh, I just wanted to feel it out. So I actually looked at your, you know, na- looked you up a little bit and did some recon myself. But uh I'm glad to be talking with you today and, uh, you know, 
for you to share some of these experiences that you've had. Um, you have, now we talked a lot about this before, but you've had a lot of experiences with, you know, the more, for lack of better words, just generalize alien type of entities. Uh, would you like to start us there? Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, first, I'd like to start off by uh, saying thank you for having this venue for folks to uh, come forward. Um, I do appreciate your professionalism. And, um, you know, this is uh, something I think is well needed. A lot of folks carry this with them um, and just uh, don't typically have an opportunity or a venue to feel safe that they could discuss uh, these important issues. Um, so basically we could go back. Uh, I grew up in a major metropolitan area up in the Northeast. And, uh, ever since I was very young, um, I've had a lot of very strange experiences. Um, starts out where a lot of times uh, I'll just give you a little background on my father was not the nicest guy. So he, for some reason targeted me and kind of, I was always punished or in trouble for things I did do, didn't do. So a lot of times I was home alone because I was punished while everybody else was out doing things. So a lot of times these are the times that these things happened to me. Um, not always, but uh, in the beginning, that's how it happened. So, uh, first, incident that I remember I was, uh, probably four. Um, it was early 1970s. I was, uh, home in an apartment building broad daylight. Um, I started, uh, kind of hearing some just weird sounds like a clicky type, just vibration. It's hard to explain the type of sound. And I felt like this weird, energy wasn't quite static, but kind of had that thing where like pins and needles and hair started standing up. And then, uh, I was actually looking out my window at my siblings playing down stairs in the courtyard. And, uh, my dog started, you know, getting very nervous. So I turned and looked in the direction he was looking in and there was this black figure um, walking down the hallway towards me. And, uh, it was so terrifying that I, I just started climbing out the window onto the fire escape, screaming for my brothers to come up to help. And, uh, they came flying up. So it turned and went down towards our bedrooms. And then my, uh, brothers and all their friends, it took them probably three, four minutes to get up there. And they searched the house and couldn't find it, but the dog was still a nervous wreck. So, yeah, I'm just just having a little flashback of that. Um, Then my uh, brothers and everybody, they searched everything. They actually called the police. They went through the whole house because at first, I didn't know if it was a thief or robber. I didn't see the door physically open, but it came in from the front door area, which was actually locked. And uh, they could not find this, um, whatever it was. Um, At first, I didn't know what to make of a lot of these things uh, until later on in life after learning more about 
what's out there, what, uh, how these entities can present themselves. Uh, second time, same exact place, probably six months later, same scenario, home alone, um, punished once again for imaginary things. Uh, and now the same scenario, similar noises, dog kind of going nuts. And I look up and there's four of these things and they're kind of walking in my direction, but they presented themselves this time as something not non-threatening, um, like kind of almost, uh, cartoonish. Not, I mean, uh, I'm trying to remember the name of the show it used to be on in the seventies and they kind of presented themselves as these characters, um, and were like waving at me and trying to put me at ease. Um, once again, you know, seeing something like this, you know, you kind of freaked out, although not as freaked out as the first time. And, uh, it took me a little longer to, um, kind of snap out of it and shout down once again to my, uh, family members. Then they, uh, came flying up and once again, clear the house, nothing was there. And they thought it was, my older siblings kind of thought it was uh, something that was in my imagination. Later on, I discussed with uh, one of my other siblings, and they said they had similar things happening during that timeline. Um, let me see. Then uh, later on, uh, during the 70s also, we moved to a new location. And this was um, still inside of uh, city limits, but a little more... Uh, instead of houses, more or instead of apartment buildings, more houses, garden apartments, condo type, you know, um, two level condo type things. And uh, in this place, I was getting a lot of a lot of activity. Um, one, I was having um, once again, my same dog was with me, and I started hearing these weird sounds. This way, kind of sounded like, you know, when you're really hungry and your stomach kind of makes that weird sound, but it was similar to that, but it was just kept getting louder and louder and louder and louder. And I started seeing like these weird, like flashes of light inside the bedroom that I was in. And my dog was like growling, looking at these in this area. And then I started and then whatever it was said my name three times. And it said at first in a very deep, menacing voice, it was like, Don. And then the second time it said it in a normal voice, it was like, Don. And then the third time it was almost like a kid voice. Um, needless to say, I didn't want to stick around to see what was going to enter in. So I just grabbed my dog under my arm and I hauled out of the house. And, uh, and there was, uh, my mom just pulling up from work and, uh, she could tell that we were visibly shaken and she didn't even want to go in the house. Cause she said she had some, you know, weird experiences as well. Never really went into it. So, uh, then like a couple weeks later in, uh, another bedroom, we had, a uh, this big train table set up with the old Lionel trains, the little tiny ones. And we had this 
um, I was just in there and there was another weird thing, kind of like a staticky, weird sound, some clicking. Um, and I started seeing this light manifesting and it kept shooting up and that was like, uh, shooting straight up and then out to the side, then up and out to the side. And the, uh, frequency of it just kept changing. It was going faster and faster and faster. And once again, you know, scared the, the life out of me for the most part and exited once again, um, following up a couple of weeks later, um, I got home one evening and, uh, most of my family was asleep. It was actually like probably a couple of years later. Most of my family was asleep and, uh, I hear, you know, just kind of weird stuff again. I'm getting the, the, the feeling once again, my hair standing up and then I hear something say my name and I thought it was my sister and she actually was not asleep at the time. And I was like, Hey, was that you? She goes, no. Did you hear that? She goes, yeah, I did. I I thought it was one of your friends and it was not. So, um, since then she's forgotten that she's not remembered that, but we did talk about it quite a few times over the years, but since then, I don't know what happened to her, uh, to her memory. Um, same neighborhood. Now we're in like the early eighties. Uh, it was probably early evening, sun setting. I'm walking down to, uh, walking through our neighborhood, heading down to, um, going to a store to go buy something. And, uh, I see this very strange series of lights, um, kind of maybe 10, 15 feet off the ground. I couldn't have been more than 75 feet away from it. And it was just these just super bright, multiple different color lights. It was reds, blues, whites. And it was just, moving up over the road at a, at a fairly quick pace. And then it was just gone. And, uh, I mean, it took off so fast. I couldn't even see which direction it went in. And then I was trying to convince myself that, you know, maybe it was a fire truck, maybe it was a police car. And then I'm like, well, they don't hover. They don't hover off the ground. This is something I don't recall telling any family members, um, um, shortly after that, uh, I don't know how this memory came into place, but I remember seeing this huge, uh, Oh, and by the way, all of these incidents I'm telling you about all followed major nosebleeds that had my nose would just start pouring blood out of it. Um, and just wouldn't stop bleeding for quite a long time. Um, and doctors couldn't figure out why my nose would bleed. It was just really weird. And, uh, so this other incident, um, I just see myself standing. I don't know if I was in some place or looking up at something, but everywhere that I looked as far as I could see, there was just bright lights of, many different colors. You could tell that there was something intelligent there. 
I felt as though I was being observed. Um, I don't recall anything having contact with me necessarily. Um, I do remember when I got home that uh, I got in trouble again because I was, you know, an hour or so late. I don't remember being gone that long. It seemed like I was only gone for 10, 15 minutes. Um, and stuff like that would happen quite often where I would always get in trouble. My father always thought I was lying to him when I in fact wasn't, but I had thought that I was only gone for short periods of time and ended up being late to dinner, late to get home and, you know, um, coming home with a nosebleed. He's like, what's going on with you? You got your nose is bleeding. You're late. What, what do you, you know, what are you doing? And, uh, it was just a really scary time. And this was all during the, uh, eighties. Um, let's see. Now in around, I think it was 85. I was, uh, dating a gal that went to, um, Syracuse University and while visiting um, when they were just it's nighttime everybody's sleeping so we're just laying in bed sleeping and I just was startled awake it was some kind of weird light in the room it seemed like the curtains were kind of moving like something like a fan was on him, something like that. And, um, as I look up, there's these three, um, at the time I thought they were demon. Now I come to realize that they were actually reptilian. And I had, uh, one was on my chest and his face was just, almost nose to nose touching this thing. And it was just looking into my soul. I could tell that it was just reading me. I don't, I don't know what its purpose was. The other one was down closer to my legs, just kind of, I don't know if it was holding me there, but I felt like I couldn't move. The only thing I could move was my eyes and I, I couldn't even move my, my uh, head. And when I looked over to my left, I saw my girlfriend and there was one that was crawling up her, going like from her waist up to her uh, face area. And then I, I felt this like energy come through my body. And it almost seemed like I snapped out of whatever was freezing my body in that position. And I found a lot of... I don't know if it was anger or whatever, but I thought that she was being harmed and I just, I felt like this energy and I, all of a sudden I could move and they just like, vanished pretty much and they were gone. Um, when I did tell her that story, she didn't remember it, but we were talking with some friends of hers and uh, they said that some very odd things, similar type things happened to them that very same time period. So that kind of confirmed for me, okay, you're not nuts. You know, um, I wasn't consuming any alcohol or anything at the time. So I know I was stone sober. And, uh, after that, needless to say, I couldn't sleep for quite some time. Um, now do you want to just talk about, um, 
this first and then we could go into some of the other topics during the same timelines or do you want to just jump around to different no we can definitely talk about this actually i was about to cut you off anyways and ask you some questions um okay so basically let's start with this uh 1985 incident at your girlfriend i believe you said it was your girlfriend's college it what strikes me is you said it looked like a reptilian it was nose to nose with you I'm not sure if you had a chance to do this yet. Have you had a chance to listen to the episode that I just came out with yesterday? I did. You did. Okay. Uh, I did. In that episode, Steve talks about having something um, attacking him on, I, I believe he said it was his couch. And it was, to me, in my mind, I'm picturing similar similarities. Because I think Steve described it as almost like a dragon looking uh, thing. And... I was just curious, this reptilian that you saw, like, could you describe its characteristics a little bit? Because I'm wondering if people are seeing things that are very similar, but they're just describing it differently. Yeah, I mean, it, the description that he gave was, was very similar. Um, it's, uh, it was large. It was very big. I mean, it was like way bigger than he is. I'm, I'm just shy of six foot. Um, I just remember it being very massive, like maybe seven, seven and a half foot tall, just real super heavy. And I felt the weight on me of, of, of him when he was, and, and I'm saying him cause, and I'm not a hundred percent sure. Um, it, it's complexion was kind of bumpy, scaly point, like kind of almost lizardish, like, a bearded dragon type skin. Um, it had pretty large eyes. I don't remember seeing anything other than blackness. Um, it, it could have been different from that. Uh, I don't recall seeing any hair, any clothing to speak of. Um, I would love to go through regression to be able to Gain because I'm sure more than that happened. Um, I just don't know. Uh, I think this is what I'm either allowed to remember or what, uh, or, or just you know, I think that's what I've been allowed to remember from from what happened. Um, it was that's why I thought it was a demon at first. I thought it was like this this hideous, you know, just super scary demon. But then later on, cause I didn't really follow UFOs and sci-fi and all this. And then later on after, you know, saying, okay, well, all this weird stuff's happening to me, you know, maybe I need to do a little research and figure it out. And it took me quite a long time before I realized that, that it was presenting itself as reptilian to me. Okay. I got you. Yeah. I mean, the, the human mind is, you know, so complex and, you know, it's funny because there's things that I am still just remembering from my childhood. I'll be driving down the road, listening to something and all of a sudden this memory hits me in my head that I didn't remember for years. And all of a sudden it makes sense for current situations I'm going through now. It's like, wow, you know, why, why does the human mind block out certain memories? It's just, uh, it's a very complex thing. Uh, with, with all these lights that you've been seeing, it seems like, if I'm remembering correctly, with everything you've shared, almost every situation involves some kind of lights uh, in that encounter. 
do you think that there's possibly a, a relation between it all? Like almost as if there's one specific thing that's almost maybe following you around and presenting itself to you in different ways, but the light is the common characteristic. You know, I, I definitely think that it's related um, somehow. Um, I feel that, you know, if they are not the same beings that they all know of each other and they're all somehow either associated or loosely associated, um, you know, whether their mission is the same or not. I mean, maybe they're just studying us and, you know, the different factions are doing similar research. I don't know for sure, but I feel that once you have a extraordinary experience happen, you're kind of an open door for other things to happen to you or present themselves to you, whether it be paranormal, cryptid, uh, uh, alien, interdimensional, just all kinds of different things. I, I think that you basically are an open door. Maybe portal yourself to allow these things to come in and out. I, I don't know the answer to that, but I, I can say that I, I do feel that they are related somehow. Okay. Yeah. I mean, these lights that you were seeing, they it wasn't all at night, right? There was daytime light sightings, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Plenty of them. There was, there was quite a few um, daytime uh, sightings. Uh, you know, and, and, I, and I've heard a lot of people talk about, uh, you know, cloaking, uh, and you know, if, if these, uh, beings do come from another planet or another dimension, um, it's very likely that their science is, uh, so much more advanced than ours and their ability, uh, their abilities are so much greater, um, like I'll just give you a quick example of in high school, I went to a very large high school in the inner city and at lunchtime, just me and a whole bunch of my friends are uh, sitting outside of this pizza place. And I used to be like the class clown. So I'm like telling jokes and I got, I'm standing facing everybody and my back is to a road. And all of a sudden some inner voice just says, step forward very quickly. And as I stepped forward, this car actually came up on the sidewalk and spun out and literally missed me by an inch. And, you know, was that whatever it is, follow me around. Is that the door that's open? Was that God? I don't know, but I think that, you know, once you're open, I think that uh, I think that you're open to many, many things. And listening to your show, I see a lot of people have had multiple experiences, you know, in, in several different unseemingly related fields. That inner voice that you heard, is that something that you've ever experienced before or after? I, I have. I have. I've, I've heard it uh, several times. Um, I... Uh, I had another incident where it was the same thing. I almost got blasted by a car and it was, 
And I was saying, for some reason, I just started running, and a car just came flying up on the sidewalk and, and hit this uh, cement barrier where I was literally a couple seconds earlier, another time. Uh, and they always seemed to come when there was potential for great bodily harm or death. And another time was in the uh, 80s. Um, I think it was, no, it was, I'm sorry, the 90s and uh, Washington Square Park in New York City. Um, I was there with a, a female friend of mine and we were going to sit down on these park benches and uh, we were just getting ready to sit down and and that little voice inside said, you know, just get up and go somewhere else right now. And we got up and we walked. And as we were walking, I just hear this like, boom, 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 boom. And I turn around and I see people flying through the air. And what happened was some lady, older lady, hit the gas pedal instead of the brake and she drove through the park and she was actually crashing through these park benches which were fastened to cement and they were snapping and I think she killed six people and it was right where we were sitting so wow you know yeah that was uh, so I've when I was younger I used to ignore it uh, now I do not because uh, I definitely feel that whatever it is um, is trying to help What's the batting average with this voice that you hear? I mean, is it something that when you hear it and whatever you're hearing, it comes true? Like, you know, if it says move to your right for generic, you know, terminology, move yeah. to your right. If you don't do it, right. does like a, you know, I don't know, a baseball hit you in the head, you know, like what's, what's the, the average here? I mean, are we talking like this voice is very consistent, very accurate all the time, or is it, you know, a hit and miss kind of thing? It's, it's pretty much every time it happens, something major happens. Um, uh, an, another one was, I was, um, it was in 2001. And, uh, at the time I was actually injured. I had a, um, uh, I, uh, blew my knee out and, uh, I had to schedule a uh, um, a doctor's appointment, but I only had like a couple days to do it. So, on uh, originally they wanted me to come in on the 11th of September. So we used to take the train, which was the E training Queens, and it would take you right to the World Trade Center. So my fiance at the time, which we were not married. Uh, obviously yet because she was my fiance, but um, I was trying to get up there to be with her. So I uh, called and rescheduled uh, the appointment for the 10th. So I took the train in got off the world trade center. Um, and I think that was that inner voice telling me, Hey, change this. Well, we all know what happened the next day. You know, the uh, buildings were hit by airplanes and they came to the ground. So, uh, it was right around the same time that I would have been in the building that the appointment was originally scheduled for. So wow. it was only a few blocks away. Needless to say, that was uh, something that you know really shook me quite a bit, which actually is the reason why I chose to become a federal officer. 
Wow. So that event actually spawned your um, career as a federal federal officer. Correct. Okay. Correct. I have a family member that was supposed to be in the World Trade Center that day, and uh, he didn't hear a voice or anything like that. But from what he said, he told me this story years ago, but um, he just decided to skip that day. Like he was supposed to be there for, I don't know, something with work. And uh, he doesn't work in New York City, but he was supposed to be there, but he decided just to skip it. And that's the day that the towers were hit. So, you know, I I wouldn't say it was a a voice like you heard, but it's very interesting how, you know, circumstances uh, lead to either um, traumatic experiences or saving you from such traumatic experiences. Right. I think I think even if you're not hearing an actual uh, voice, because I've heard multiple people tell very similar stories that day, they were supposed to be there, and you know either the cab got a flat tire or the train was running late or um, you know they went in to grab a bagel and a coffee and they spilled coffee. You know, just so many different things. I think that's all the same thing, just presenting itself in a different way to what they can comprehend, understand, and, and, and deal with. And, uh, you know, I think folks that are supposed to be someplace, um, are, and those that are not, are not, and they are guided away from those, uh, scenarios. Um, I can give you one more example and I got to be kind of careful on super details. Okay. Because this could very easily be looked up and names could be given some trying to. Um, it was during the 90s as well, uh, probably mid 90s. Um, I was, uh, at that time, I was working as a uh, contractor. So I'm just going to kind of be vague about that. And I was helping a friend out who had a very beautiful uh, mansion and they had all kinds of contractor defects. So I was helping them out for a few months and it was just, you know, just item after item after item. They had to repair and fix and uh, rebuild items. And uh, one of our mutual friends, uh, uh, you know, basically out of the blue, Hey, I need your help today. Um, And I was like, okay, no problem. So I, Live in South Jersey, so I drove up to North Jersey, helped this individual. I was supposed to be back in South Jersey, kind of, I want to say around 6 7 o'clock. All these weird little events kept happening where it just one weird delay after the other, and none of it made sense at the time. I'm going, this is really bizarre because every time I'm trying to get out of here, something else happens that requires my attention immediately. And uh, the whole time I was back and forth with the other friend in South Jersey and I was talking to him. And then at uh, like eight something, um, his phone, I couldn't get through. And then all of a sudden, and I had a freshly charged battery, my battery just completely drained and had nothing left in it, which I thought was really bizarre. So, now I have to recharge my phone before I can call back. And I kept calling and calling and calling and nothing. So 
I'm like, all right, maybe he went out somewhere. And uh, so I ended up getting back out there at like probably two in the morning and all the lights are on in the house and, you know, everything's just wide open. So I used to just walk in. So I, you know, knocked first, nobody answered. So I walked in and I turned to my left and he and another person were actually murdered in the house. And, uh, so I grabbed the dogs and basically got out of there. Cause I didn't know if the person was still there. I didn't know what was going on. And, uh, when the police came, they said that there was blood droplets at each doorway of the house. And they said that the people that did that were looking to see if there anybody else was there. And I was supposed to be there the whole time. It was not scheduled, but I was supposed to not be there. So I think that's one of those divine interventions or that inner voice or circumstance, whatever I think it's associated just kept me out of harm's way because it wasn't my time, I guess. So wow, that's pretty uh, heavy thing to, to deal with. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, to just sit there and think that you were supposed to be there and you dodged uh, such a traumatic event, I mean... That will yeah. shake anybody. It, it, it does. And I, I got to say, I probably had post-traumatic stress disorder for quite some time. I was probably in denial about it. Um, and I do still, for some reason, suffer tremendous guilt for not being there, thinking that there was something I could have done. But obviously, the people that, have, that did this were very good at what they do. And um, I probably would have been laying right next to them. So... You know, logically, you could say that, but psychologically, you could say, well, you know, it's, it's kind of harder to deal with, you know. Jeez. All right. Well, you mentioned yeah. you mentioned taking the dogs out of there, and it made me remember something you said earlier uh, back to your childhood. You said that your dog could see or at least sense what you were experiencing. Uh Right. Was that something that gave you comfort that you weren't, you know, crazy? It, it, it did. It did. And, and, uh, and, and another thing that did help is, is my, uh, my mother is just like one of the most amazing people in the world where I didn't get a lot of that, um, positive reinforcement and energy from my father. My mother made up for it tenfold and, uh, she never, once um, thought I was lying. She always believed me. She always said she believed me. Even as an adult, I've discussed some of these things with her and she has said, yeah, I believe you hundred percent. I've experienced some bizarre things in my life. She never really went into detail about them, but she always supported and understood that what I was saying was accurate. Okay. Yeah. Cause I mean, that's one thing where when I was a kid growing up, I was always told that, dogs can see and sense ghosts yeah. and so we always had two dogs and Definitely. so whenever i would feel weird or something i was always looking for my dogs how are yeah. they how are they reacting i'd call them to me because somehow they're going to protect yeah. me or something like that um right now you mentioned back cats, in, cats too will do that cats too I've, I've, yeah it's time we had at the first couple incidents we had both cat and dog and they both were acting a little you know, the, the cat, not as much as the dog, but they were both looking in the same place. Um, 
the cat kind of just was more, you know, focused on it when the dog was actually very nervous. Right. But I mean, come on, let's be real. Cats can't protect you. <laughs> oh, without a doubt. Without a doubt. Yeah. Uh, they run yeah. before you run. Um, yeah. so back in the seventies, you were telling me about the first experiences that you've had. And, um, it was like an early morning experience. And did the police actually come out to that first experience? I, I remember them coming out. Um, and they were looking for, you know, a, a, a burglary in process. They were, they were looking for a criminal in my house. And, um, they went and cleared the closets under the beds or the bedrooms. They looked everywhere and there was nothing. I mean, there was nothing there. Um, at that point I didn't feel the energy anymore. I didn't feel the, so whatever it was had left. Now there was no way for it to leave because I had the only exit in, in my field of vision the whole time. So there was no way, because the way it did was it came down the hallway and made a little, it would have made a left, but it would have been to my right because I was facing it, went down towards the bedrooms. And uh, so I literally climbed out, started screaming, but I kept looking inside to see what, if the thing was coming even further. Do I have to go down the fire escape to get out of there? And fortunately, I didn't have to continue down, and I was on one of the upper floors. Of, I think it was a six-story building. I was on the fifth floor. Okay. Now, I, I just was wondering if they came out and how they treated the situation. But um, so one of the entities, I'm not sure if it's the same one. You may not even be sure. But during this time, you experienced an entity that kind of, you said presented itself like a cartoon. It was cartoonish. Uh, it resembled a cartoon of that time. Uh, in the 70s. Yeah. Have you ever listened to episode, I think it's 17, Touching a Bigfoot with Jason? Uh, he tells a story when he was a kid, before he gets into his Bigfoot encounter, he tells a story of having something climb in through his window and transforming in front of him into different images. And I remember distinctly him talking about one of the images was, I think he said it was Fred Flintstone from the Flintstones cartoon. Yeah. And he said it, it scarred him. Like he, like it, it scared him so bad seeing one of his childhood cartoons being there, scaring him. Uh, is that like a right. similar experience that you had? I would say yes. And actually I just remembered the name of the show it was called the banana split. And it was more, um, and actually YouTube because it's quite humorous. It's like kind of like these hippie animals, that are kind of like, I think it was like a take on the monkeys or the beetles, but it was like an animal version. So they had these oversized animal suits and goofy getups. And I remember kind of presenting itself from that way to me and the way they were looking at me, they did almost the same pattern as the original darker mass. And they kind of came and, uh, you know, were waving at me and like kind of trying to, probably put me at ease but you know knowing what reality is and what rea reality isn't you're sitting there going wow this is you know this is uh, crazy I and mean, it's insane you know i mean if if i wasn't so secure in 
believing what I actually saw and heard, I would have probably thought I was losing my mind. But, you know, being grounded in reality, you just kind of sit there and say, okay, well, this is definitely something I cannot explain. Um, you know, and, and it's, it's pretty terrifying when you're a child. Yeah. I can only imagine. I mean, yeah. (laughs) How do you even put something like that into words when you're a kid trying to describe or even comprehend what you're witnessing? It's just out of this world, literally. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It was just, uh, it was crazy. You know, the older I got, the more, um, I kind of, you know, with that inner voice or whatever it was that had protected me all these times from um, certain deaths several times and, and serious bodily injury several other times, um, I, uh, you know, I, I just have to think that, you know, I, I was thinking that, you know, I'm not as worried about it as I once was, you know, when I was younger and I didn't understand some of this, I was so terrified that, you know, I was going to be, you know, dissected or harmed in a really, really horrible way. But then realizing that something's keeping me safe, even if I'm going through experiences, it's not going to allow me to be majorly harmed. Um, Oh, and one quick thing, going back to the voice, this was also in the 90s. Um, It was around Christmas time. I was at a friend's house, and we were going to go Christmas shopping for their children. And as we were getting ready to head out, it was uh, my friend's wife and I were going to go because she wanted to buy him some presents and wanted my opinion on what to get him. And everything kept stalling us, stopping us, it, just everything. And we just just kept pushing through and I wasn't listening to what was being told to me, like, stop, you're not supposed to do this. And then we get in the car and pull down maybe a quarter mile from the house and we're at a red light. The light turns green and she's busy jibber-jabbering and talking and talking and talking. And I just look at her and I said, are you waiting for a certain shade of green? And she gives me a slap on the arm, like, oh, you're such a, you know, wise guy. And she's a different term than that. But um, uh, she gives me a slap on the arm and then she drives through. And then just as she does, this uh, cable company truck comes barreling through the intersection at probably over 50 miles an hour and crushes the car that I'm in and pushed us into another car and then pushed that car up onto a sidewalk into a store. So while I was in the car, um, I actually broke my neck, not horribly, but I had broken bones in my neck. So let's put it that way. I was still able to move somewhat. I had blood in my face, blood in my eyes. My eyes were cut. I'd said cuts from the glass exploding to my face, crushed the side of the car I was in. So I was basically sitting in her lap and uh, she thought I was dead. So I figured, you know, let me just crack a little humor. So I just said, I, I suppose we're not going Christmas shopping today. <laughs> Which was imme- uh, immediately followed by a slap on the arm. And then she's like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. And I was like, don't worry about it. That didn't hurt. And then upon, 
you know, emergency services showing up, um, I could see through the blood and all the stuff. I could see they were doing the old, you know, hand across the throat, like this guy's dead without even looking in because they didn't think that I could have survived that much damage. And uh, each different group that came up, first the police, they did that, then the ambulance, and then they were doing that. And the cop was like, no, he's, a, he's, a, he's alive, he's talking. And uh, they had to cut me out with the jaws, get me out of it. Uh, Joe's wife uh, got out of it. And considering the crash, I didn't receive any major head injuries. I had some broken bones in my neck, still able to move it sore for a couple of months, no internal damage. And, uh, you know, I think that was possibly divine intervention or whatever energy is keeping me safe. I pushed past it. They said, okay, well now you got to learn a little lesson. And since then I've not ignored it ever. Yeah. Sometimes it takes, uh, a dramatic experience to open you up to, you know, what's really going on. And, uh, you know, right. I, I've had similar experiences along, not dramatic like that, but just eye opening situations where you're like, okay, from now on, I'm going to listen to that inner voice that I hear. Um, yes. so all that stuff has happened to you in your life. Uh, and we have a lot more to cover here. Uh, quite a bit. yeah, let's, let's move into the, um, the more paranormal UFO flying objects things that you uh, talked to me about earlier. And also, you know, we did talk about this earlier and I don't want to drop a bombshell, but I just want to remind you, have you talked about um, the Nordics? I don't remember you talking about the Nordic uh, entities and I just don't want to forget to talk about that. Right. No, I haven't, I haven't discussed that or the gray. Right. Okay. I just wanted to make sure I wasn't missing yeah, you... it because I had, I had it written down here. I no. just want to make sure I didn't miss it. Right. Right. Yeah. That, that I didn't, uh, discuss yet. Um, you know, a lot of this stuff was happening during the same timeline in the, uh, in the nineties, you know, with the crash and things were just very chaotic in my life at the time. Um, and you know, I, I think a lot of times with things have been chaotic in my life, pretty much my entire life. And I think that's maybe one of the things that opens up the door for, things to study or come in or have them become more open to things. I'm not hundred percent sure, but a lot of that stuff happened when it gets real crazy around the same, like from late eighties to the early two thousands. Okay. All right. Well, uh, let's move on to, uh, you know, the next situations here. Okay. Okay. So let's see. Um, so, in the nineties, um, one of my relatives owns a beautiful house on probably about 17, 18 acres of land, uh, backed up to some, uh, state land and forest. And we used to hang out there a lot. And we had seen, um, lights in the forest moving. And at first, logically, you want to tell yourself, okay, I think this is, you know, is there someone out there with a flashlight? But with a flashlight, you get the bouncing of the body as the body moves, the arms swinging, you know, lights kind of do its thing. These things were very consistent. They were just kind of moving in a very defined straight pattern. 
we tried walking towards the light, could never get close to it. It always seemed to be just ahead of us. And we were probably less than 75 yards from it. And it just kept moving. It wasn't huge. I would say probably, you know, maybe size of a basketball. And, uh, you know, do I, uh, I, I can't explain what that could be. I, I don't know. So it was hovering. So technically I consider that probably flying. Um, and, uh, we've had several other experiences in there, but they're different things. Um, we'll discuss that. I guess we'll come back to that later. Um, another incident was I was driving back from uh, one of the Great Lakes coming down the road going towards the town. It's probably around 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night during the fall. So not a lot of people driving around, not tourist season, heading back towards the town where I had family and, uh, and um, probably about 10 miles away from the town. And I, it's all country and fields and crops. And I look up and I see these four lights and they were pretty substantial. Um, and I'm thinking in my head, I'm going, Oh, they got, they got lights on the towers on the edges of the towers for some reason, maybe they're working on it. And then I realized there are no towers. I've never seen a tower there. They certainly didn't build the tower with the two hours that I was up at the lake. So it just didn't make sense. And it was just sitting there. And as I got closer to it, probably, say 100 feet or so, they actually started moving towards me. And it was, uh, just imagine two sets of lights, uh, one set of lights, one on the right, one on the left, and then behind it, maybe another 50 foot, the right and left side, no more than 50 foot off the ground. And I opened up my window so I could hear, I heard no sound whatsoever. They just slowly passed over. I'm looking out my window. I lean over the passenger side and I'm looking up and I see them. And the light was pretty bright and it lit up the inside of my car somewhat. And then I just see them take off behind me. And then I'm looking in the rearview mirror and they just cut across. They mean, it seemed like seconds they were miles away. And then they cut across. If I was looking at my rear view, it would have been to the left. So it would have been the passenger or the driver's side. And then the next thing I know, like not even two seconds later, they're in front of me again, coming across the road. Um, I don't remember a lot after that. So I don't know if I'm missing anything uh, at the time. You know, I didn't have anybody waiting on me, so I didn't know if there was time that wasn't there, wasn't there. I don't know if I'm missing anything. I don't have any recollection of being taken or anything else, but you could definitely have that feeling that whatever it was was highly intelligent. And that was pretty uh, pretty nerve-wracking. Yeah. Um, before you go any further, I just wanted to ask you, because I know I'll forget to ask this question, when it started moving towards you, and even when it loops back around or something, it's back in front of you again. All that happened after you saw it and acknowledged it was there. Do you think there's a correlation? Now, what I'm saying is, 
when you acknowledge that there's something there, how soon after you've seen it and you acknowledge it's there, did it seem like it started moving towards you? And because, I mean, I hear people describe these things as it almost looked like it knew I knew it was there. Is that the sense that you got? Absolutely. 100%. Because when, when, when it first looked, it, the logical mind wants to come up with a, an answer, a reason, what's going on here. So in my mind, I'm sitting there, okay, it's a tower. And at each end of the tower, which was maybe 20, 30 foot apart, I'm thinking there's a light on each end and they're doing some work or whatever. And there's two towers back to back. But then I'm like, oh, there's no towers there. I know there's no tower. I knew that area very well. So in your mind, you're trying to come up with a reason. And then once I realize, okay, there's no towers there, as I'm getting closer to this thing, now all of a sudden, I think it realized that I realized it wasn't a tower, and that's when it started moving. So I definitely feel that it was fully aware of me and and what I was aware of. I think it also was aware that I was aware of them. You know, I, I think it was more than just them being aware of me. I think they just were like, okay, okay, he knows we're not a tower. Let's move. <laughs> you know? Right. Okay. I didn't mean to cut you off there. No, no, no. That's okay. That's, that's fine. That's fine. Um, so during this time of chaos in my, in my life, I also have had those times where when your previous listeners was saying, you know, they were on the couch and they had these things where I felt that whether it be a couch or bed, I've had that full body paralysis and lights and energy. Uh, probably the last time that I can remember was probably four years ago. Um, could have happened since I just don't recall. Uh, a lot of times followed by blood once again, which has always seemed to be a, a running theme. So I don't know if there's like implants. I don't know if they were doing some tests. I have no idea. Um, when this was going on, I something. I don't know why I started seeing the faces of grays. It wasn't how it actually happened for some reason later on. I was having these flashes of these humanoid looking guys, probably four and a half, five foot ish little guys, you know, not in the typical gray thing. So I was just seeing their faces either when I came out of one of my sleep paralysis type things or whatever. So, you know, still, even after all the stuff happens, you're still sitting there. Okay. Was it a dream? Was it this? Was it that? And, uh, to me, it would just be too much of a coincidence from my previous history to sit there and say, okay, yeah, no, that's just a, you know, that's just a dream. You know, it's just, I mean, these things definitely happen. And, uh, one particular time I was really distraught about those things happening. And, a lot of other things that were happening in my life at the time. And one night I was out with some friends and we were in a bar and, uh, we were drinking and my friends left. I didn't even realize. And I was kind of like just in a kind of in a dark place. 
And all of a sudden, this person appears before me. And I'm not saying like they just puffed up. I didn't see them coming. But all of a sudden, I was stopped by this female. And she was, this is who I believe to be Nordic. And almost angelic in a way. It's hard to explain, but just blonde seemed perfect. And it wasn't, I wasn't looking at her like, Oh wow, look at this, you know, hot babe. It wasn't anything like that. I just was like, just some kind of weird connection. And I just was like, I didn't even know what to say. And she just put her hands on my shoulders and looked at me and either verbally said or telepathically said, Don, don't worry. Everything's going to work out and everything's going to be okay. And I just looked at her and smiled and she smiled at me. And then just as quickly as she was there, she went off to my left, seemed to take a step past me. By the time I turned around, I didn't see her anymore. Didn't seem like anybody else was paying attention to it. Maybe they were preoccupied. Maybe they didn't see it happen. I don't know. But uh, that that's that was probably the time where I just was like, you know what? Combined with the other inner voice or however you can explain it with that kind of put me at ease where I was just like, you know what? Life is life. Whatever comes at me, I'm going to take it. When it's my time to go, it's my time to go. I'm not going to worry myself about things that may or may not happen. Um, I'm just going to accept life for what it is and when it is. And since then, life's been been pretty good. Wow. So that was a real turning point in your life, uh, that experience. It was. It was. You know, and not to say things still don't happen. I mean, with my, my uh, some of my medical issues now, I'm, you know, uh, they're still having a hard time diagnosing, um, but they're putting me in the autoimmune category, multiple autoimmune um, potential diseases. So, um, you know, that's going on, but I don't feel distraught about it. I'm not like lost and feel desperate and, alone. I just, I just have this feeling of, you know, it's going to be all right. Everything's going to be all right. You know, whatever happens is meant to happen. And, and, uh, based on everything that had happened to me in the past, I fully believe that everything's going to be all right. Yeah. That's really cool, man. I mean, uh, just, you know, having an experience that kind of turns you around and stuff is just uh, that you can actually look back at and say that was a, a point in my life where things changed for the better. Uh, right. That's really cool. Yeah, it was, was pretty neat for sure. All right. So we experienced the the UFO flying over. Uh, I I can't remember. Do you have another experience with something along those lines? Let me go back. Um, well, from the earlier, from the seventies, are we going back to that or? Um, no, I mean, um, well, you, you experienced the the, fl- the the objects flying over when you were in your car. Uh, was that the rectangular or a triangular um, shaped object that you were talking about earlier? No, 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 no. Oh, okay, yeah, that. Okay, so the triangular thing 
was actually, um, I started getting very interested in the cryptid field and, uh, well out, um, in the forest, different various places, you know, I got similar energies that I would feel that I had with those other incidents. And, you know, I would take pictures in those areas that I was feeling the energies coming from. And in one of the pictures, one of the ones that I sent you, there's a gray triangular kind of almost semi-translucent, whatever it is, craft. I don't know. Was it, it, it's kind of bizarre looking, um, you know, and, and, um, you could feel free to post that on your page if you'd like. You know, people could look at it, pick it apart, whatever they want. All I'm saying is that I felt an energy. That's what came out in it. Um, the secondary picture that I sent you, you know, you could see um, some faces in and around that area. Um that was definitely uh, quite interesting as well. Uh, I didn't feel scared or worried or nervous. Um, I always, even when I felt the energies, I would always verbally say, wherever I took direction, I took the pictures in, I'd say out of respect for whatever it was, because I know there's things that we can't see. I'd say, I am going to take a picture in this direction of where I think you may be. You can either show yourself or not show yourself, but I want to just basically, I'm kind of asking the permission. And if you want to show yourself, just show yourself in the picture. And that's basically every time I take a picture, I say the same thing and I just do it in different areas where I feel the energy. And quite a few times I've had items pop up, whether it be, Sasquatch looking faces, bodies, uh, all kinds of weird things that are kind of hard to explain. Even though that little guy that I sent you a picture of that's up on the crook of that tree holding that stick in his hand, that's kind of a, an interesting one. And there's a second picture actually in that same woods that I I got to show you that later on and you can actually see two sets of legs sticking out in the lower left-hand corner. Um, and they're definitely solid. I mean, whatever it was there was pretty solid. I don't know what it was, but it wasn't people. Right now there's, since we're moving into the uh, pictures and stuff that you sent me, there are a few pictures that I really want to hone in on and discuss with you. Uh, Cause you sent me a ton. Uh, but you just mentioned one of the ones that was on my list to talk to you about, which was the being that was in a tree that you sent me. Uh, definitely. You can see something, obviously uh, it's not the clearest picture. So it's not like HD quality or anything like that, but um Right. It's definitely, there's definitely, it looks like something sitting in the tree holding a stick, like looking at you. Now, when you took that right. picture, did you, did you see it while you took the picture? Did you know it was there or did you sense it? I sensed it. Um, 
I was actually outside of my uh, my son's. Uh, he goes to an after school program, and I was sitting outside waiting for him. Um, and just for some reason, I kind of felt, you know, once again, I felt that little weird, you know, energy. Hey, look over there and take a picture. And I did. And sure enough, uh, when I, because I immediately review each picture that I take and I looked and, and there he was. And I was like, wow, and it almost looks like he's wearing a little hat, you know. Um, to me, that's what it looked like anyway. Yeah, um, to, to me, when I'm looking at it, it looks like he has something on his head. Uh, and it, it almost looks like it's longer in the back. I don't know if that's like an arm or part of the hat. But uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's incredible. Now, when you took the picture and you saw it in the picture, obviously, you look back. It's not there. You don't see it, I'm assuming, right? Correct. Correct. What did you do right after that? Did you pursue, walk over and start looking around or did you kind of like just kind of give it space or what was your reaction? Well, I said, I said, thank you. And, uh, you know, and I decided not to, and I know people say just take secondary pictures just as, you know, back up to the next shot or whatever. But the way I look at it is, I want to respect whatever it is. And if it showed itself to me, um, kind of because I asked it to, or didn't, you know, just said, Hey, I'm going to take a picture. If you choose to show yourself, show yourself. If not, don't, I don't want to be disrespectful and just keep, you know, pounding on it and just keep, come on, give me more, give me more, give me more. And I think that's kind of when people start having, negative experiences when they ask too much or they're too demanding and and nothing is good enough for them. They just got to always have the next step, the next thing. It's just, you know, I'm just grateful for, you know, whatever it, it chooses to show itself to me. Let me say, okay, well, thank you. And that's pretty much that. And I just kind of move on to the next thing and next area. And actually the second set of pictures that I actually there's one group I sent you, I think it was 12 pictures. And this is the same spot, um, just a different, and this is the same day. And it's the lower right-hand picture, and there's a little black circle around the corner of that picture. If you can go to that, you can actually see the two sets of legs that I was referring to. Okay, yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, so if you can kind of zoom in on it a little bit, you could see two legs and then one big leg and they look like the little set of legs. You can kind of see there's some kind of something standing there. It's kind of being obscured by the branch. And then the other larger one, just to the left of it, you see one leg, the V of the crotch area, and the other leg's kind of out of frame. Almost looks like there's something with its head sticking above that branch that's out of the way. Right. And then back behind that, further on, maybe another 20 yards, if you look up towards the top of that little uh, black circle, that's a, actually a house. So someone uh, lives back there, but that's like probably 20 yards past where those legs are standing. 
Okay, gotcha. So it's just once again, yeah, once again. I mean, this was like taken probably you know a minute after the other one. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, in the the same cluster of photos you sent me, I wanted to talk to you about the very the very first one where it's a footprint with uh, I'm assuming your foot st- uh, next to it right. for gauging. I find it interesting because um, now I, I, you probably told me before, but I can't remember. So you'll have to remind me, but I, I'm assuming um, you were doing some kind of uh, Bigfoot research when you took this picture. Uh, is that right? Yeah. I, I typically, wherever I go, whether I'm with my kids or family, if we're going to be anywhere near where there's woods or forest or anything, I always keep that in mind. I'm always looking for, for something. So this particular right. day I was with my uh, children and we were down the uh, back end of this uh, path in the park and there was this open area. Now the dirt that we're looking at is it's uh, down in the south. We have this very hard dirt. It's like they call it gumbo. When it gets dry, it's like hard, like cement almost. And, uh, as you can see, this thing made a decent impression. I don't know what it is. If that is a human foot, that is an incredibly large human foot because my foot's a 10 and a half. And the width of that thing and the length of that thing are pretty substantial. Yeah, I mean, looking at it, the the print, I mean, if you're a 10 and a half, that thing, I mean, it easily is 17, 18 inches at least. Um I would agree. Absolutely huge. And what I found interesting about it was that you see these tire tracks that it actually steps on. And you can tell just by looking at the picture, this is hard dirt. It's not like mud. Uh, the t- right. But you can see these tire tracks roll through there. And whatever it was stepped on top of these f- tire tracks and actually pushed down the tracks. And you can actually gauge it because on the left side and right side of it, the the tire tracks are more raised, but where this print is, it's pushed down. So something literally had to push it down. And, uh, it's, it's, it's a very interesting photo you have there. Yeah. And, 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 you know, I should have taken a couple more follow up photos of like my own footprints, but, uh, I could tell you that I didn't leave even the slightest footprint. I probably knocked down some of those, um, uh, raised tread marks a little bit, but you, other than seeing that, you wouldn't even be able to tell that I walked there. And, uh, that kind of, at first I was more drawn to the, uh, animal prints, which there was a bunch of those. So I was looking at those large canine and I was like, okay, that's really large. I know we have coyote and things in that area. So I was like, well, it's pretty, pretty huge. I mean, they were probably about the size, maybe a little bit smaller than my hand, but not much. And I was like, well, those are pretty big, you know? So that's what drew my attention. Then looking, then I see that and I was like, wow, that thing is like really huge. So I was like, okay, just put your foot next to it, take a quick reference shot. And I tried going heel to heel, but it may, my heel may even come a little short of the heel end of that. So I don't know. And you don't see any toes. So is it possible that it's some guy with a size 16, 18 shoe? You never know. You never know. I don't know. 
all I know is that it's a freakishly large uh, footprint, and whatever it was had a substantial weight to make that impression. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. And, you know, I, I often talk about how how many people can actually be walking around in the woods with that those size feet, you know? like All right, so first of all, you have a footprint, a bare footprint that <laughs> that is huge out in the woods. So how many people are actually just walking around in the woods barefooted? And then on top of it, right. that big of a footprint. And, okay, so, yeah, sure, there's this really tall person walking around bare feet. Okay, cool. But over and over again throughout the entire world, <laughs> I mean, I mean, how many times do we find? Right. How many times do we find, uh, you know, little tiny footprints and stuff? I mean, we do, but it's like these giant footprints showing up all over the place. Uh, it's just for me, it's it's it tells me there's something else going on there. Um, that's just you know my simple logic behind it and stuff. So, but it's it's very, it's oh, very I, fascinating. I, I... I agree wholeheartedly. I think that, you know, it's, uh, you know, to, to think that, that we're the only hominids on this planet when, you know, there's still so much that has yet to be discovered, whether it be in the ocean or deep dark forest or just living on the perimeters, uh, the perimeter of, of cities and towns. Um, you know, you hear so many stories about, you know, people think you have to go, hundred miles into deep forest to have these act- activities, but yet 90% of your sightings are minutes outside of a town, you know, and you sit there and say, okay, well, my personal belief is I think that they're incredibly curious about us. They probably know way more, but I certainly believe they know way more about us than we know about them. Uh, and they obviously have quite a bit of interest and they're constantly watching, constantly looking. I, I think they have a, a purpose. I'm not hundred percent sure what it is. I think they're kind of both pleased and disgusted with humans. I think they're pleased on the people that are trying to actually save the planet and uh, care about others and not the group of what I call, like to call the me people that all they care about is themselves and don't care about cutting habitat. Everything here on this earth was put here for our complete and total use and destruction, which I personally don't believe. I think, you know, everything here is a gift. And when you have a gift, you got to treat it tenderly. Um, So I think they're, I think when people have, some folks have bad experiences, I think, that's those energies or Sasquatch or cryptid, however you want to view it, uh, kind of giving them the old, hey, we know what you're up to and we're going to scare the life out of you right now. And uh, that's something you need to remember. Stay out of the forest, stay away from our home and quit destroying things. And then other people who don't have such horrific experiences still may be scared, still may be worried. But uh, I think you know, they're kind of more gentle with those folks. I don't know if that makes any sense or not. No, yeah, absolutely makes sense. I mean, there's just so many different ideas out there as far as what these things are, how they react. Um, nobody has an answer. So, I mean, all we can do is right. theorize about what we think they could be. And I've heard people talk about that before. It absolutely makes sense. 
Yeah, now with that triangle grayish picture, and then there was another one that I had sent you with that. That was in that same area where that big face is dead center. Now, I believe that is a Sasquatch. I think it presented itself this way to me. You know, I've going back years and years and years, I've spent a lot of time out in the forest. Every time I could get out of the city, go up into the mountains, all over the Adirondacks, Catskills, Pennsylvania, New England, um, pretty much anywhere where I could get into the forest, uh, you know, with friends or by myself. Uh, you know, 18 years old, I went into the Appalachian Trail by myself and I went there for uh, a, a little over a week just to kind of get away, hike, be one with nature. And I remember hearing, you know, things banging, and oh, it's probably someone building a house, you know. And then like, well, you know, you're 10 miles into the forest, you know, you really think it sounds good. But back then, you know, I didn't really realize a lot of these noises I was hearing was probably tree knocking, rock clacking. I've heard the mumbling voices when you hear the talking, but you can't make out what they're saying, you know. What was it? I don't know. Uh, at that time, cryptid didn't even pop into my mind. But now looking back at it, I'm like, oh, they were probably were, you know, making themselves known to me back then, and I just wasn't open to it. And now, more open I am to it, I see that, you know, when I uh, take a photo, they'll show themselves or something else will. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely an interesting picture with uh the big the big face that you sent me. It's the very first picture you sent me. Uh it, it looks like it looks like a face. And if you you know, there's so much debate going on about the whole woo stuff and the cloaking and stuff, but if this was a Bigfoot, it would have to be cloaking because it's right. transparent. And uh the that's you know my conclusion is you know if it is what you know it looks like it would have to be cloaking there's really no other explanation other than maybe has some kind of way like you know a reptile does where it can kind of change the way it looks to blend in but either way you're talking about the woo topic which is just a highly debated topic and everybody gets all up in arms about they they do and, and and I can understand you know logically does it make sense but you know th- there's actually a video on YouTube and I believe it's either um, Afghanistan or Iraq and it's I don't know who was taking the video whether it was our guys or their guys but there's this battle going on and in the battle you kind of see this. You know, in Predator, when he cloaks, you kind of see that type of thing quickly running. And there's some kind of explosion or something. You see this cloaked, whatever it was, running across towards soldiers and then running back the other way. Now, if it was still, you wouldn't have been able to see it. So I believe that we possess technology that can physically make that happen. Make the appearance of cloaking happen. 
did we copy that from nature or something else? You know, we're supposed to be working with alien entities, you know, our scientists, our government, um, who's to say that Sasquatch and I've heard some people refer to one group and called the ancient ones. And then some are considered more Sasquatch, even though they have very similar in appearance. You know, who knows if they're from the same place and they're working with our government as well. I've heard uh, stories from guys on military bases that were doing security that were briefed on. Hey, when you see these things crossing the fence and crossing over, leave them alone. They belong here and just go on your way. And they've been told, you know, leave them alone. Don't bother them. And I've talked to guys who were briefed on those things and they didn't report them because they knew stay away from it. It's not a topic you want to talk about. So you actually talked to people who uh, were told to leave these things alone. Uh, did they tell you where this took place? There, there was one guy who was somewhere in Florida. He wouldn't specify where. And uh, I want to say another place somewhere out west. Um, they wouldn't give the major details, but they said that when they were on um, on duty, um, basically keep an eye. And they said that they, even with their camera systems at the time, could see the heat signatures and and okay, let's go check it out. And they got within a certain distance, that, you know, okay, back off. And they, uh, you know, stood down basically because they knew that, okay, these are supposed to be here and this is not something you're supposed to mess with. They didn't go into a lot of detail with the briefings to say, okay, this is what it is. You know, it's just more military. Hey, listen to what I say, do what I say. And don't ask a lot of questions and you'll be all right. And, uh, you know, I'm sure if you progress with this uh, show, you'll possibly have some folks that were directly given that order. And, uh, you know, they could probably give you a little more information than, than I could on that. Okay. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned Florida, and I think... Have you ever heard the show Sasquatch Chronicles? I mean, with Wes Germer? I, I've, I've probably listened to an episode or, or two, but I, uh, I, uh, I've, I've not listened to a lot of podcasts. Uh, you know, okay. being born the year that I was born and, you know, kind of a little weird old school uh, way. I'm still listening to A-Tracks. Uh, I'm <laughs> joking about that, but, you know, I'm still... Uh, not as technically savvy as a lot of people. So I just kind of, you know, but, but I, but, you know, I started listening to some shows and that's definitely piquing my interest and it's, it's a good place to get information for sure. Yeah. It just, I bring it up because you mentioned about Florida and I, I, I can't remember, I think it was recently he had a guest on, uh, and it might've been a repeat guest or a, a second guest that with a similar story, but I think they were talking about a military base in Florida that had these uh, Sasquatch creatures frequenting on and off the property. Uh, it sounds very familiar, uh, similar to what you just described to me. I wonder if it's the same facility. 
It could very well be. I know they have a few facilities there that are just absolutely enormous. Uh, there was one, um, if you remember uh, the crocodile hunt, hunter, Steve Irwin, he went yeah. to uh, one of the bases that was just so massive. Um, I mean, it was, I don't know the actual size, but they said it was like just an absurd amount of acreage. And, uh, you know, a lot of it was forest, uh, lakes, ponds, retention, uh, ponds and stuff like that, and probably canals. And, you know, so, you know, they could easily be a huge population there and being told, Hey, you know, leave these things alone. Don't mess with them, you know? So I, I, it very well could be the same place. Yeah. I mean, I'll have to look into that and see if I can dig that up and, um, just for my own references and I'll, I'll post these pictures that we're discussing on the website for other people to kind of check out and see, um, the last set of pictures that I'd like to talk to you about is the last ones you sent me. It's these prints that you found. It looks like they're on cement that you see the heel, but they're all three toed prints. Where'd you find that? Right. This is actually at my brother's house. Um, he bought this, uh, he lives closer to, uh, New York city and he and his wife had been looking for some property that they could kind of get away and, you know, get away from the city. So he, he, uh, bought some property, uh, with a cabin, um, directly backed up to the Appalachian trail. And, uh, when he, uh, I think it was probably the first six months he was, you know, visiting the house. Um, now these photos are actually a week older than the original ones. He can't find the original ones. And he said they lost probably 20, 30% of their original size. So slowly with time, whether sun bleaching or whatever rain, they just diminished in size somewhat. So this is about a week later. And uh, this is just right in his driveway where he would have parked his cars right outside of his garage. So it's probably less than 10 feet from the house. Wow. And uh, with three toes, I don't know any animal that has such a wide stance or any mammal with three toes. I may be wrong, but I don't think so. And some of them, you can see the stride. Yeah. Right, exactly. And that's what I was thinking just now is you see the trackway, the, the stride. Did you get a chance to measure that stride length? You know, I didn't, but I'm sure if someone had some kind of a uh, computer program because uh, my brother's foot size is a size 11. So if you could use that dimension, you could probably get a very accurate measurement between the stride. But I, I did not measure that. Okay. And that's, that's very helpful because uh, you see the, the shoe sitting next to the footprint. And the shoe's slightly larger than the footprint. So I would say that this track is probably uh, 10, 10 and a half inches. But uh, it's very peculiar. Now, when you were looking at the, the, the trackway, could you tell if it was like a bipedal or quadruped? 
it was definitely bipedal for sure. Um, and actually, just a few months later, I want to say this was in spring of last year. And then we went up the 4th of July weekend. And on the actual 4th of July evening, we were hanging out and I was out on his uh, deck of the house. And I was just kind of hanging out there by myself. And I heard a, a little, like a snap, uh, like a tree branch or something snapping. So I have this uh, pretty high-powered uh, flashlight. So I zing the light over, and I see these two massive eyes looking at me. I mean, they were huge. And they were just, they probably were, you know, I want to say maybe 10, 11 inches apart. And they were just big, and it was like way tall, whatever it was. And as it was walking, the whole time, it had its eyes right on me. So as it was walking up through the woods, it was looking down directly at me. And I didn't see a lot of bobbing or moving. It seemed pretty uniform. It seemed almost like it was gliding. And uh, then it stopped, and it just sat there and stared at me. So I was like, whoa. So I knocked on the door and I told my brother to come out. He came out and he looked at it. He's like, wow, this is crazy. And and this went out for a half an hour. And then my brother-in-law came out. My sister came out. Um, my kids were too scared to leave. My wife, uh, she didn't want to see it. And uh, my brother's wife, I don't, I don't remember if she saw it or not, but I don't think she was either interested or or did not want to see it. I'm not hundred percent sure. Um, but, uh, you know, we looked at it for a little bit and then people were like shooting off fireworks and someone fairly close, cause there's only a few houses on the mountain. Someone blew up something really large. I don't know if it was like, you know, a, an old blockbuster or something, maybe a homemade device. And this thing was really loud. And, and I remember I was startled. And whatever this thing was, you could tell the start of it, and it kind of crouched down a little, and all of a sudden you heard, like, just branches breaking. And then it got quiet again. And then I kept looking, and then, boom, there they were again. The eyes are back looking at us again. And this went on at least a half an hour, maybe even a little longer. And I, I was talking to it, and I was like, hey, I see you out there. I said, and we mean you no harm. I don't know what you are, who you are, or what's going on. I said, but, you know, we're not going to cause you any harm, and we just ask you to be respectful of, of us as well. You know, don't scare anybody. We're not going to cause you any problems. And then just after a little bit, it just kind of walked off, and that was the end of it. And it was, uh, I mean, looking right at us the whole time. It was crazy. And that was what last 4th of July, it was pretty much. Let me ask you, this whole situation that you experienced, so the lights, or not the lights, the eyes are, you know, 10, 11 inches apart. And that's the first thing, obviously, you notice because you hit it with the, the flashlight. Could you see the right. body or the outline of the body at all? You know, it, for a second, I thought I saw when there was movement. It was 
big. I mean, the next day I went up to where it was in that area because there's another house just up past there. So there's probably 150 foot of woods between the two driveways and maybe 300 foot between the houses. So this thing was in the wood line. I could see where it was. I went up there and looked and based on where I was standing and I saw the eyes, this this guy had to bend seven and a half, eight and a half foot tall. And there's no doubt in my mind that's how tall this thing was. And based on the eyes being far apart, they were both forward facing eyes. It was like a yellowish green and highly reflective almost glowing um, and, and was very interested in us. Now, typically a deer, I've seen bear out in the wild. I've seen bobcat and, you know, deer and every other kind of animal you can imagine. And, you know, they'll show interest for a short while, but over half an hour, never have I ever had an experience with an animal that way. Even the bear that I saw was, you know, a hundred yards away. I was by myself backpacking. It just kind of looked up at me and just looked back down and just kept going down the hill and going to whatever kind of abundant food source it was looking for and left me alone the whole time. So whatever this was, was definitely intelligent. Hearing this story that you just shared, and looking at these pictures of these tracks, I know it's all conjecture and you really can't say for sure, but what's your gut feeling? Do you think that the tracks were this came from this thing that you saw walking at your brother's house? I, I think it's related. Uh, I think it's either that particular thing that we were looking at or family of, because what else could be, bipedal, that big, have that big of a stride, that wide of a footprint. And just remember that had been, um, those footprints have been sun bleached for a week. So they had lost some of their mass, which is, you know, when my brother first saw them, he was kind of shocked how big they were. And he called me up. He's like, dude, you're not going to believe this because he had known I've discussed a lot of um, of the Sasquatch topic with him. I've seen some you know, pretty cool videos. That one video that you've made reference to, the uh, white Sasquatch in Pennsylvania. Oh, so, yeah. You know, I kind of became a little bit of a, not a fanatic, but just kind of highly interested in it. And I just, you know, believe that there's definitely way more to it than most people are willing to believe. So we were talking about, so he knew, okay, I'm the person to call and talk to. <laughs> Absolutely. And with that, you referenced that white Bigfoot video and I've been out for a while and it's my favorite video and it's probably has a lot to do because it's from PA and so am I. But, uh, there's a guy on YouTube, his name's Bigfoot Tony. He's over in England and he does a lot of video analyzation and he enhanced that video. Uh, I encourage everybody to go check it out, go check out that video enhancement that he made. Uh, it was just, he just posted it maybe a week or two ago. Uh, but it's, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. So definitely check that out. Yeah. I'm definitely going to do that. Yeah. So, I mean, clearly there's something bipedal walking around. You saw something walking around. 
you got these incredible footprints and I've never, I've never seen anything quite like it. I mean, and I'm looking at the picture itself and that stride length, I mean, it's pretty big and it looks like it's different though. Like the, the stride lengths differ where like there's one sh- long stride length. And then after that, there's a shorter stride length. And then, uh, so I don't know if it was like walking funny or what, I don't know, but it's very interesting. Uh, but, uh, yeah, Don, I think it is. What, what entered my mind, I'm sorry, Tony, uh, what entered my mind when I saw that, uh, that difference in stride length, it was like, I was thinking, okay, maybe something piqued its interest and it shortened its stride for a second to look. Cause at the time they were not in their house. So no one was there on the property at all. And, uh, so they had run of the property. So maybe he saw a rabbit, maybe he saw something else, whatever it was, uh, piqued its interest and it took a shorter stride. And then the next couple steps got longer and longer. Um, uh, also, I'll let you know that uh, he has uh, this uh, driveway alarm that if anything crosses the driveway, it will alarm. During this same night, 4th of July, it was going off all night. Is Are there deer crossing? Yeah, there are some deer crossing here and there. But the, uh, the one night that was pretty substantial, there was a lot of movement across that electric beam. So, you know, that's just something else. Is it definitive? This is what it was? No, it's not. But if you put everything together between the footprints, the eyes, and this, you know, the snapping of the twigs, the 4th of July explosion, and the thing kind of was startled, you know, it just kind of, to me, adds up to something. For sure, absolutely. I mean, it's just... Something funny's going on, you know, and, uh, you know, you're left drawing your own conclusions. But when you see the pictures and you have the story of uh, those those eyes that you saw, it's definitely, to me, there's, sounds like something's going on. Um, yeah. So to wrap things up, now I know you've had a lot of experiences and we could probably talk for hours about a lot of different things. But one <laughs> thing I definitely wanted to kind of come back to is, and maybe this will help tie things up. I have no idea. Uh, so I could be wrong by saying that, but, uh, you mentioned earlier to me before we came on about how your son has either seen something or is seeing things. Would you like to talk about that at all? Yeah, I could, I could do that. Um, my, my youngest, uh, son, um, is, he's just a wonderful little boy. We, before the house we live in now, we lived in a house just down the road and it had an upstairs and a downstairs. So the kids' bedrooms were upstairs and our bedroom was downstairs. They never wanted to sleep in that room. Um, when I, later on, when we moved into the new house, I asked uh, my son Christopher, and he said, yeah, Daddy, there was uh, there was this black dark guy with red eyes always at the top of the stairs trying to get me to come up and I was so scared that's why I always slept with you my older son never verbalized that to me but when he was real young he used to look at something 
that we couldn't see. And he would laugh and laugh and laugh and look at it and point at it. But he still to this day has not verbalized what that was. But uh, moving into our new house, he has seen that same entity. And I don't know what it was, but it was terrifying to him where he was coming over to our room from his room. And he saw it over by our living room, over by our dog's kennel. And it was just standing there looking at him. And so I listen. I don't sleep very well. And I hear a lot of the noise. So I can hear him just running. And he just dives into bed with my my wife and myself. And uh, it got to the point where it was happening so often that I started, you know, like looking for answers. What are we dealing with here? Uh, you know, the red eyes, when I hear that, you know, glowing red eyes, I typically think of uh, something very evil, demonic. Uh, I, I may be wrong. I don't know. But that's kind of, and I felt kind of weird energies. It just would never show itself to me. Um so I looked around and I tried to find some answers. So one of the solutions that came to me was smudging. Um, if it worked for the native folks, uh, first nation folks and other folks have used it for many years, I figured if it was good enough for them, I'm going to try it as well. And as I, uh, I waited for my whole family to be out of the house and I smudged the whole house, and I actually felt uh, that energy was not happy with me. And my whole, like all the hair in my body stood up as I cleared each room. But I just uh, did it in God's name, and I just kept each room, kept repeating the same things. You're not welcome here. This house is a house of light. It's a house of God. You need to leave now. And I just cleared each room, each closet, and and then I sealed the whole house with uh, special water and I clear, sealed the inside, outside, around each window, each door. And uh, since then, we've not had a physical entity come in. He says that sometimes it comes to him in his dreams. So now I got to find what to do there. But uh, that that was a pretty scary thing to deal with for him. Yeah, I'm sure. Now, you said that, so basically this entity happened or uh, showed itself in both different houses, right? Correct. Okay. And how old is your son? Right now he's seven, so it's been happening since he's about three. And uh, one of the things that... I know a lot of the stuff that happens sometimes is generation to generation to generation. I know I had a lot of bizarre experiences, similar, not necessarily glowing red eyes, but ghosts and different things. So, you know, alien is that and the other thing. So I think a lot of those things can happen generation to generation. Do they follow families around? Did that energy come here because of me? Possibly. I don't know. Um, so I just, every night before I put him to bed, I say a prayer. I, you know, try to put his mind at ease, let him think of 
happy things, know that God's with him. And, uh, you know, always say, Hey, when you're in your dreams, if it comes to you in your dream, just think of, you know, surround yourself with light and with the love of God and, and just tell him he cannot be here. He's got to go now. And he's starting to do that. And he says that, that sometimes it will leave him alone when he does that. Okay. Yeah. It's very interesting. And I, it's always one of those things where with, with kids, it's very sensitive. I mean, it's one thing for you to sit here and tell me things that you're experiencing as an adult or even have experienced as a child, but then it's a whole other thing when you, when you're sitting here telling me this is happening to my child who is not even 10 years old, you know, that's right. It's messed up. I mean, like, it's like, it's just one of those things where you just be like, let, let the kid alone, you know? It, and it makes it makes me, and I just had the hair just stand stood up on my body right now, uh, everywhere. Um, it's it's really it's. Well, I'm getting some crazy feelings right now, but uh, they, they, when he expressed that to me, and I saw the terror in his his little eyes, um, you know, as a father, I'm very. I didn't get that from my father. My father could have cared less whether I lived or died, and and. And I don't carry any negativity about that. But I knew it was wrong then, and I know that to treat your family that way is wrong now. And, and I'm highly protective and loving of my family and would lay my life down without even thinking about it to protect them and save them. So when something like this happens, you know, it's just very, it could be devastating but I'm typically a person of action and I was like, okay, so what do I got to do? So just checking around and doing this and doing that and falling back on things I've heard and things I've seen and things I've been taught, you know, just kind of pointed me in that direction. Um, you know, if it continued after that, I was going to go and have some professional come and handle it. And I'm not talking like paranormal researchers. I'm talking more along the religious line, <clears throat> having a priest or a pastor or somebody come out and, and, and cleanse the house and, you know, bless the house and, and all that. But it seems physically it has not been back into the house since I've, uh, at least not that we're aware of since I've cleansed the house. Okay. Wow. Yeah, man, that's uh, that's some heavy stuff, especially when it's happening in your blood. Yeah, yeah. Well, it is. It is. You know, before we get out of here, uh, do you have any parting words you'd like to share with people that maybe are experiencing similar things that you know, either currently experiencing things that that you are, or even have in the past? I mean, just to summarize things, would you have anything that you'd like to share with people? Um. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to, um, you know, let let folks know that if you are uh, having any experiences that you're unsure of, don't let that affect your psyche. You got to realize that you have to take the power that you have and use it. Don't be scared of it. Research, find out, educate yourself. Uh, you know, 
like I said, when I was younger, I was terrified. I mean, the first time I saw a, a, a ghost, I, I was horrified. I mean, I remember it like I was, it was yesterday. I was at my uncle's house and someone broke out of the jail close by. So they, they were all out and they called the house and said, okay, someone broke out, locked the door. So I went over to lock the door and there was these little panes of glass. And I looked out and there was this icy bluish gray guy, kind of looked like he was wearing Civil War garb and he was looking up the road and then it turned around and locked eyes with me and I just remember my hair stood up and I just was terrified and I just ran jumped behind the couch put blankets over myself I was hiding and you know now when I see and hear stuff I, I, it doesn't affect me that way I'm not scared anymore I'm not scared and I think that you know that gives it energy when you allow yourself to feel those emotions. I think it gives whatever, anything negative, it gives it energy. And that's certainly something you don't want to do. And education is a, is a way to go because you can learn how to handle those things. And I'd also like to say thank you to you and your show. Um, appreciate what you're doing. And I recommend other folks step forward and tell their stories. Right on, man. I recommend the same thing. Definitely. Cause we just uh, we want to share people's stories and give them a platform to be heard on. Uh, it's something that I I'm a big fan of the Sasquatch Chronicles show. It's kind of the first podcast I ever listened to personally, and uh, that's the common theme that I heard on that show where people were saying that, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, people were saying that uh, it's therapeutic for them to actually share their story and get it off their chest, and that's exactly why I named the show the way I named it, the confessionals. It's literally people coming forward, confessing what they saw, what they've experienced, getting it off their chest by telling somebody, telling people, and moving on or diving more into the topic. You know, Because sometimes people, by able to expressing it to somebody, they're able to then dive more into it and try to figure out what they experienced because now they got past the initial, oh my gosh, I experienced that, who do I talk to? And now they're able to move forward with it. And some people do the exact opposite. They share their experiences and it's like, okay, I actually feel better now and I can move on in life. So yeah, I really appreciate that, man, because, uh, you know, there's a lot of people out there experiencing things that they just, they have no idea. They have no clue what they experienced and they have no idea how to even go about talking to somebody about it. And they're just kind of like left living with, you know, you know, post-traumatic stress syndrome, really. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Don, I really appreciate you coming on. Uh, thanks for sharing what you shared and, you know, maybe we'll have you on again sometime to share more, more of your stories that you've had. <laughs> I have a whole bunch more for you, Tony. Uh, it sure. a pleasure to come back on. <laughs> absolutely, man. All right, brother. Well, I'll, I'll talk to you later. Okay. All right. Sounds good. Thank you so much. All right. Bye-bye. Well, that's the show, everybody. I really hope you enjoyed it. And if you did enjoy it, I would really appreciate it if you would rate and review the show on whatever podcatcher you listen to the show on. It could be iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, Podbean. It doesn't matter to me. But if you listen to the show on a podcatcher, I would really appreciate it if you rated and reviewed the show there. 
If you want to go to the website, I have posted the pictures that me and Don were talking about tonight, so feel free to do so at theconfessionalspodcast.com. And tonight's exiting song was written and performed by David from last week's show. I thought it was a great song, and I definitely wanted to play it for you guys to hear. So I hope you guys have a great week. I hope you guys stay safe, and I'll see you next Saturday night right here on The Confessionals.
Never has a sad song filled my heart Could it be the sadness playing the part Of making one feel again You will be the spark that sets the blaze I will be the wind that fans the flame All to begin I would dedicate the song to you. 